Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We have got a great show in store for you. Before we dive into today's conversation, I want to share about one of our amazing sponsors, BetterHelp. One of the things we're about as a friend group here at That Sounds Fun is pursuing growth and learning together so we can be good friends to ourselves and each other. It's a lifelong process, right? To truly get to know ourselves. And it's normal to need help along the way. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can help you on your journey of self-discovery no matter where you're starting from. If you're thinking of trying therapy, give BetterHelp a shot. Time with my counselor is one of the things that helps me get unstuck when I'm feeling less than my best. Since BetterHelp is entirely online, it's designed to be convenient and flexible and to fit in your schedule. They've helped remove so many of the obstacles that sometimes keep people from getting the help they need. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So you're sure to be working with someone who is a good match for you. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash that sounds fun. And today on the show, I get to talk with my friend Jasmine Holmes. Okay, Jasmine L. Holmes is an author and podcaster based in Jackson, Mississippi. Her first two books are called Carved in Ebony and Mother to Son. I am so, so excited to get to know her for us all to get to know her and share this conversation with you about her new book, Never Cast Out, How the Gospel Puts an End to the Story of Shame. Holmes shares her personal experience of slowly lifting the cloak of shame that had become her near constant companion and resting in the one who has taken all our shame away. She invites readers into their own journey of identifying, battling, and conquering shame with this Christ-centered and gospel-driven book. Y'all, we go there today. Get ready. You're about to lose some shame for good. I'm really happy about it. So here is my conversation with Jasmine Holmes. Jasmine Holmes, welcome to That Sounds Fun. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> are you so happy to be here? I am. I'm so I'm happy, happy to be here. here. I, I just feel like there are times, this does not happen very much, where the person who sits down across from me that I'm not real life friends with, I go like, oh, I've been like wanting this. So that may make you feel weird, but I've been wanting no, this. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I, when I walked in and you like walked, you walked up, I was like, oh, like, hi. I know. Yeah. It just is. So thank you for even having the presence in your stories and on Instagram and in your writing that when people meet you, they desire to be your friend. Oh, that's so kind. Thank it's really you. true. It's really true. I'm, I feel really excited about it. We, One of the rules here is that you either have to already be my friend or someone I want to be friends with because I don't know how to interview strangers. That's yes. just I just don't know how. Absolutely. And who wants to interview strangers? That feels very hard. Not we'll I. let, we'll Not let I. Anderson Cooper and Savannah Guthrie handle that. I'm like, no, this is just my <laughs> friend Jasmine. Okay, so here's what I don't know because this is our first real-life friends. You and your husband live in Jackson, Mississippi. Yes. Three kids. Yes. Why Jackson, Mississippi? My husband is from Mississippi, and okay. Mississippi is a whirling vortex that keeps all of its <laughs> residents in. <laughs> okay. That's how the population stays stable. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. How did you feel about Deion Sanders coaching? Um, my husband was very invested. Yes. So Philip was just like, he was having debates with friends and just like going in about how good it would be for JSU, yes. how good it would be for yes. the city. Like he is very, very invested. And I was like, I don't have anything to say about this. But in fourth grade, I was in the same class as Deion Sanders' daughter, DeAndre. <laughs> Really? In Atlanta? I'm from Houston. Houston. So, sorry, sorry. Yeah, that's so right. she lived in Houston for a little bit. And um, I was like, yeah, that's that's all I have to say about this. Wow. Like, You're like, here's what I can bring. to my 10th birthday party. <laughs> that's all I have. It matters. Yeah. Did it change the city? 
I don't think it did. Okay. I mean, he might have a different answer. He pays a lot more attention to the city yeah. than I do. Yeah. Um, it felt but, like the city had more of a national eye on it. Yes. And it definitely was good for JSU. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as somebody who hopefully will be a student at JSU soon. <gasps> Ooh. Um, breaking news, everybody. Yeah, I was I was excited for that. I was like, maybe it'll bring grant money to the history program. Yeah. Because yeah. What are you going to study? Need. History. Are you getting your master's or doctorate mm-hmm. or okay, mm-hmm. your master's in history? Yeah, my husband Philip is like, you're gonna get your, you're gonna get your PhD, and I'm like, I don't wow. need a PhD, yeah. I don't want to teach. So he's waiting to say, I told you so. We'll see what happens. <laughs> what makes you want to go back to school? I mean, you've got a very busy professional and personal. Life. I do. So partially, it's me giving into imposter syndrome, which wow. uh, you know, let's just talk about that. I was about to say, welcome shame. to Never Cast Out, mm-hmm. the book you just wrote that mm-hmm. came out about shame. Yeah. Yes, I'm doing a lot of work in history, and I don't have a degree in history. I have an English degree. I don't love school, but I do love teaching. Yeah. And so and uh, the idea of a degree in public history that kind of allows me to do that more freely without the imposter syndrome talking yeah. to me on my yeah. left shoulder uh, is really attractive You to are me. such a generous, good teacher. Oh, thank you so much. I, um, I learn a lot from reading your Instagram about the history of racial mm-hmm. tension that is, I mean, you even said, have you been taught that Christians stopped slavery in the U.S.? And yeah. then like slide, 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 slide. And and you just teach that really generously and understanding who your audience is. Yes. Of like, <laughs> I have accidentally signed up to help white women learn what they don't know. Does that feel true to you? It does. It absolutely yeah. does. Yeah. Are you okay with that? Yeah. I mean, I feel like my life has kind of prepared me for it. I grew up in very white evangelical context. Uh-huh. That is my context. That is my the code switching yeah. is just a natural part of who I am and always has been. And so that ability to kind of move in both spaces is something that is sometimes burdensome, but also something that I realize is a gift to other people, even when it doesn't feel like a gift to me yeah. sometimes. Yeah. So it's kind of something that I'm always navigating, like a tightrope that I'm always trying to walk. Is there a way your white friends, as I'm sitting across from you, I'm thinking, is there a way I can learn enough, read enough, listen to enough that you don't feel like you have to code switch with people? Or is it just this is the nature of us having different cultures we grew up in? I think it's just the nature. I do think with my friends who I am close enough to, who know me as a person, I do it less and less. Got it. So the closer the relationship, the more you get to be an integrated person. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. Well, that's true for me too. Yeah, I, I mean that is. is true for so for so many of <laughs> right. us in in so many different contexts and ways. And yeah, yeah, it's it's not even something that I even think about yeah. doing. But I was looking at this Instagram or this TikTok video the other day. Um, I know TikTok TikTok is like super Same. controversial right we're, now. Yeah, we're really in trouble. <laughs> um, TikTok. I know, I know, and I am too old for TikTok. Like all the people that I follow are like in their, you know, early 20s. And I love, I love Gen Z. I love following them and watching them and just like, wow, y'all are just so young and skinny and living your life. And you're so not scared of the internet. And I would have never, you're so much healthier on this than I'd ever been. You're just living and you're not like coming to the camera with a full face of makeup and like trying to be perfect and trying to be... It is fascinating. Yeah, so, yes, it's, so you were watching. It's a crazy. TikTok. So I was watching one about growing up in a black household, and it's so fascinating to me how because I grew up in the suburbs in Houston. Uh-huh. My husband grew up in l- rural right. um, Mississippi, and we had really similar things happen in our uh-huh. childhood. Things our moms would say, things yes. that we would eat, things that we would. And so I just I find it so 
fascinating. Yeah. Just like culture and how culture works. Yes. Um, and how, you know, when he talks, he sounds completely different than I talk. Yes. Um, my Instagram stories drive me crazy because I'm like, 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 like. <laughs> I'm, from, I'm from Houston. I'm from the white suburbs of Houston. Uh-huh. And that is how I uh-huh. talk. Yes. But even with that, we have so much commonality and so much. So it is refreshing when I do find black folks who find my Instagram who are also yeah. really interested in what I have yeah. to say. But yeah. I am also aware that the majority of my audience is white women. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if the code switch feels like a light switch or if it's progressive, only because I have taught myself how to not sound as Southern as I am Mm -hmm. until someone is on here that is from where we're from. Yes. And then I drip into and suddenly I'm saying, well, I don't know why. And and, and I've taught myself to sound like a broadcaster. Yes. To sound neutral in tone, but I don't feel it switching. Does yours feel like when I'm with this crowd, I'm like this, or is it sliding scale? I don't even feel it. I My friend Portia and I had a podcast a couple years ago, and Portia is another black woman from Green, not from Greenwood, but she lives in Greenwood, Mississippi, uh-huh. and she is Southern. Uh-huh in a way that my Texas self is not Southern. Uh-huh. But she's also, because she's a black woman. So like on our podcast, we'll talk. So people who had heard me on other podcasts and also heard me on our podcast were like, that is a different oh, right. person. <laughs> That's so interesting. Whereas I have another podcast called Let's Talk that I did for a couple of years. Yeah. And people, like black women will walk, walk up to me and be like, I didn't know that you were black when you were on that podcast. <gasps> wow. I like heard your voice and I was, I didn't know. I didn't know that you were a black person. But then with Portia, my white friends were like, who are you? Yeah. Okay, do you know what's interesting? When I was reading Never Cast Out, you wrote about the cool Christian girl. Mm -hmm. And one of my, I mean, I wrote it down. One of my questions for you is going to be like, does that exist in the black church like it exists in the white church? But your actual cool Christian girl was in a white church. Yes. So we had the same cool Christian girl that was telling us who we were supposed to be. Absolutely. Okay. I remember, I so I had a book club with, I was trying to do a racially diverse book club with some of my friends. The first book we read was about singleness. How old were you? Um, I was 20, let's see, I had already had a baby, so 25, 26. And my friends were like divided. So there were half black women, half white women. So the white women, the book about singleness, which was written by a white person, two people in white evangelical context were like, oh my gosh, this book hit on so many areas. I loved it. It ministered to me. And my black friends were like, I don't get huh. this book. Yeah. And I had read it and been like, this this is like this is what this I is me- yeah, this yeah. is meeting me where I am. But my black friends who grew up in black church were like, this is not that's not our issue. Like this oh, is not our this is wow. not our conversation. What a really cool way to do a book club of going. We're going to intentionally de- be diverse in race, but we're not going to read race books today. Mm-hmm. We're going to read singleness books, yep. and and then have end up having the yep. where are we the same and where are we different conversations that can happen if the people are forty and twenty, mm-hmm. or if their races are different, mm-hmm. or if they're married and single. Brilliant. Yeah. You're brilliant. That's a great idea. I don't so, know that I'm, I did it on purpose, so, but <laughs> it <laughs> those are who your friends are. Yeah, it happened. So that is, I mean, that is the that is the win is doing that. I read your book. I love it. I mean, the reason you are here, besides me desiring to be your friend, is Never Cast Out is one of the finest books on shame I've ever read. Oh, I'm so glad you read it. Is so, it is so, uh, this and Soul of Shame. Have you read Soul of Shame? Soul of Shame changed my life. Listen, that guy. Changed my he life. Is unbelievable. Yeah. Yes. When Kurt Thompson was on the podcast, we were both crying and he wouldn't wipe his tears. Mm. And he said, well, it, it just matters that they, and I was like, are you a person? <laughs> Will you are please you an angel? be my therapist? Yeah. <laughs> All that. that. So Help you're me. really never cast out in Soul of Shame are the two best books I've ever read on shame. And I oh, read so a lot kind. of books in this job. So it's beautiful. What made you go, the next book I need to write 
Because how many, did you have one out before this or two already? I had one and I was actually working on my next one. So I didn't, I was not going to write this book. This was not my idea. Um, I So I have Mother to Son came out in 2020. Yes. And I w- was submitting my book proposals for Carved in Ebony. Yes, I was about to say Carved in Ebony. Yeah, and um, sent one to B&H. And they were like, I mean, there's other publishers interested. And so we're not really like super jumping on this. But we want to meet but with you about you something else. Oh, wow. <gasps> and um, Ashley Gorman. Yes. Who I love was like, I have a book idea for you. And I had been writing a column for Fathom Magazine yeah. uh, about womanhood and biblical womanhood and kind of untying, you know, it was called Woman Enough. Yeah. And I thought she was going to ask me to write a Woman Enough book. And I was going to be like, I love you so much, but absolutely not. <laughs> I have not done enough healing work to write yeah, about womanhood. Wow. Um, I need more therapy. Yes. It's not going to happen. Yes. So I told my agent going to the meeting, it's not going to happen. But I do want to meet with Ashley because I'd love to work with her on something. And so Ashley starts the meeting. I've read I've read some of your things, and I've I've you know been thinking about this a lot, and I've seen a, a through line. Yeah. And then she said the through line is shame and your struggles with shame, and I was like, ah, like none of your business. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> You've been talking to my therapist, right? And it was just a Holy Spirit. Moment because I would I would never write a book proposal and be like I want to talk about shame no never no. but Ashley kind of gave me the courage wow mm-hmm. are you glad you've done it I am it feels I've kind of compartmentalized the fact that I have yes. done it yes um, it feels strange and when to. people ask me like what kind of books do you write I, I say oh I write like Christian history and like yeah. Christian I don't talk about this, this one because it feels yes. it feels so personal. You it said feels... it in the back. You said, I never thought I'd ever write about this. Yep. And I, I do not even enjoy that I've written on shame because of what it has done to me. Exactly. And yeah. it's such a it's such a weird experience. And Ashley, it was, bless, bless Ashley. I think I've mentioned her in she's every wonderful. single interview because she pulled it out. Yes. Because I was just like, I don't, she's, you know, the first edit she gave me was like, you're writing up here and I need you to bring it down and I need you to, mm. you got to be yourself. We got to, now she's like, this is not, this is not an academic book. With That's a, it. With you were writing an notes. academic book yeah. about shame. And, and she, she was, was like, like, we're not, in your we're body. not doing that. We're about to be <laughs> relational. We're about to really get into it. And. Yeah, so we did. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So many of our friends listening, not everyone, we have a, when we do surveys, we learn so much. So we know that about half our people are married. We know that most people are believers, but not everybody, which mm-hmm. I love because I have a lot of friends who don't believe everything I believe. That's awesome. But we also know that a lot of people grew up in church yes. or are growing up in church. So talk a little bit about when you went back and actually identified some of this. Because even I told you before we started, the, your stories have brought up stories of mine that I thought I oh, have yeah. never one time said to the Lord, hey, that was one of the most embarrassing things I've ever felt. Mm-hmm. I felt shame. I thought I was embarrassed. I felt shame. Yeah. And I have never dealt with it. So how did you go back? How did you decide which stories? Did you sit with the Holy Spirit and go, bring it up? I was like, what do, when I think about certain memories, okay, you know how when you try to go to bed at night and... Oh. <laughs> You okay, can't. that's what you did. That's when you did. couldn't fall asleep, you wrote a book about those stories. I was like, oh, that's what that is. You are. We're going to hang up a plaque in here. <laughs> Bravest author to come through is the one who wrote the story she can't not think about yes, when she can't fall asleep. The ones that I was just no, like, ma'am. oh, gosh, I got to. I keep uh-uh. the ones that I kept talking to my therapist about. Yep. And it was also like a kind of accountability because um, shout out to Barb, my therapist. Yes. <laughs> shout out to Jennifer, my therapist. Barb. Where would we be? Oh my gosh! I, I, I remember like walking into Barb's office and kind of being like, "I'm just gonna, I, I'm gonna walk in and I'm gonna tell." Her. I'd been to therapy before, but I'd been kind of that like, "I'm gonna tell her what she needs to know to help me with the specific thing that <gasps> I want her to help me with." 
are we the same person? That is, I said, it's not a this problem. It's not a this problem. It's exactly. this one it's like, problem. I'm going to talk to you like, like, about uh-uh. that one compartmentalized thing. Yeah. But when I went into Barb, I was just like, I'm just going to walk in there and I'm going to say it all. Well, I'm just going to be honest and I'm going to say it and it's it's whatever. And yeah. Barb and I had talked about shame so much that these stories were top of mind because we had just talked about them so much and just kind of delved into them so much. And there were, were you know, deeper things and more personal things that I didn't share. It was kind of like, what what plagues me? enough to talk about it, but is not going right. to be too That's right. deep to That's share right. with everybody. That's right. That's exactly right. Because you have to find, this is so good for our friends listening who want to be writers, is you do have to find the line between I'm being personal, but I'm not being private. Everyone doesn't get each other's private stories, right. but we can get really, you've gotten very personal in this writing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you did not fillet yourself in a way that it is impossible to sew back up from. Yes. Yes. But you got real personal. Yes. And as sometimes I would just write very, I would write everything and then be like, Ashley, I don't want this to be in the book. Mm-hmm. I'm just writing all of this because this is what yeah. I feel. And then could yeah. you help me pull it back to where wow. I'm, so she really yes. helped a lot. So Ashley, she knows a lot about me. <gasps> and also, <laughs> and tell me if you do this too. The first draft I write has real names, real restaurants, oh, yes. real cities. Yes. And and tells the whole thing. And then my editor, Andrea, will be like, that's so sweet, Annie. Um, we're going we're gonna to back that up three yes. steps. And I'm like, we don't need so to know much. every word yes. that was said in that conversation. And you can remove that name. Well, yes. just that person will not does not need to be in mm-hmm. the book. Mm-hmm. It's that's I worry when people publish self publish without an editor. Yes. Oh my god. I, this would not have happened. No, I can't imagine. No. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about one of our amazing partners, KiwiCo. Okay, if you read the chapter in my book, That Sounds Fun, about my friend Tim teaching me to play chess, and then how fun it was to play with my dad after I found out how much he loved to play as a kid, well, then you'll know why I love KiwiCo. KiwiCo is defining the future of play by making it engaging, enriching, and seriously fun. They create super cool hands-on projects designed to create a lifelong love of learning among kids. Each month, KiwiCo delivers crates packed with fun and sparks creativity with kid-friendly topics and activities. From engineering robots to learning about the science of cooking, there's interesting topics for every kid and real hands-on skills to explore. I've done the domino machine crate with some of my mini BFFs, and y'all, it was the most fun. KiwiCo thinks of everything. All the supplies are included, and the instructions are very easy to follow, which I'm grateful for. So the kids felt so proud of themselves when they were done building, and it worked. The little robot actually set up the dominoes. They lost their mind, you guys. We had the best time together. KiwiCo has subscription lines for infants and preschoolers up to teens and beyond. Encourage your kids to be innovators and creative thinkers and watch their confidence grow as big as their smile. I'm telling you, that moment of pride and accomplishment at the end of a KiwiCo project sparks creative confidence for ongoing tinkering and experimentation. You do not want to miss it. Redefine learning with play. Explore hands-on projects that build creative confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off. That's 5-0 off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line at KiwiCo.com slash that sounds fun. That's 50% off your first month at KI wico.com slash that sounds fun. And another incredible partner to tell you about, Liquid IV. Y'all know we don't exactly move at a snail's pace around here at Downs Books and the That Sounds Fun Network. We move pretty fast, which means we also make sure we're taking good care of ourselves with rest and play and good hydration. Liquid IV is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being and our well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two 
two times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long day, on long flights. They've got 12 delicious, refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. I'm partial to the acai berry and the lemon lime, but strawberry and pina colada are favorites around this office too. Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. Same, same. So they partner with leading organizations for inventive solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in 50-plus countries around the world. How awesome is that? So grab your Liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code THATSOUNDSFUN at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code THATSOUNDSFUN at liquidiv.com. And now back to our conversation with Jasmine. Will you tell the story about the backwards dress? Yes. Do you hate that, though? No. Okay. I actually actually love it. The thing about me is that if I go through something terrible, if I know that it'll make a funny story later, it makes it worth it. Okay, great. Well, I didn't <laughs> so, laugh at the story if it makes you feel any better. It's, I, I was I, with uh, No, I still laugh because okay. it's just like, uh, yeah. So I was part of Ensemble when I was like 14 years old. And for us, it was like 10 pianos on stage. And so yeah. 20 of us would go up to the 10 pianos and play the same song on 10 pianos in a, in a duet. And it was really hard and really rigorous. I used to be a very serious um, pianist. Concerts, competitions, all the stuff. Got carpal tunnel, stopped playing. Wow. I, tell, I tell my husband, and I'm like, it's my sports injury. <laughs> That's exactly it's right. My, it's my sob story. I used to be brilliant. <laughs> I had a future. I, that's what I say. I tell him all the time because he met me right after I stopped. Oh. And so I, I was like, like, oh, if you, you only you knew. <laughs> I am so talented. You have no idea. You're picking me not even realizing you the even diamond know. in the rough you that I am. Know. Like, yeah. not only am I going to be a Pulitzer Prize winning novelist. That's right. I was the, pian- I was also, the pianist. Yes. Um, so this competition was huge. I was homeschooled, so this was like my big social interaction of Got the it. year as well. We had this dress, and they were always really ugly dresses, and we always wore the same one. Always the tallest girl. I'm only yeah. 5'8", but I've been 5'8 for a really long yes, time. Yes, yes. Um, you know, only black girl in the ensemble, all the things, right? And we bought our dresses, and it was this hideous, like, plum-colored, yeah. just Back of the Dillard's catalog uh-huh. type of concert yes, dress, I know it. Yep. and this would have been like the early oddies, but it was giving nineties. Yeah, big nineties, big nineties, <laughs> like shoulder pads. You oh know. yeah, wow. yeah, oh yeah. That's what choirs do to courses mm-hmm. and ensembles do to their people, and that's exactly that, yes. that's the vibe. Yep. Um, you know, the little black kitten heeled shoes. Yes. yes, yes, and it had these like hideous buttons down, like huge, like medallion buttons uh-huh. down the front, like all the way down the front, or so I thought. And so I go, and I'm sitting in the front row waiting for my turn, and my mom comes, and she says, I need to talk to, I need to, talk to you. And I was like, Mom, what are you doing? Like, you're supposed to be back there. And then yeah. she, I need to talk to you right now. It's very important. And, like, deathly still. And I'm like, okay, like, that's yeah. fine. Sure, let's go. So by this time, everybody is filtered in. We're just waiting, yeah. you know, for our conductor and everything. We go to the bathroom, and my mom goes, I'm so sorry, but your dress is on backwards. And... I just remember wanting to sink into the floor. Yeah. I was like, is there a way? Is there a way to just... Can we just leave? Right. Can we just stop 
being alive mm-hmm. and just come back into life at a different point. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Can we just time travel? Please. Yes. Because I had to turn it around and then I had to go back in yeah. with my now, like, and it was just the, the thought in my head was like, I've walked by hundreds of people with yeah. my dress on backwards and now I have to turn around and walk by hundreds of people with it turned around yes. the right way. Yes. And why did that haunt you though? It to me was just so like, the the definition of a shameful feeling. I just felt so embarrassed. I felt like everybody was going to be looking at me. Because the sentence was, they all know I made a mistake? Yes, they all know. They all see. Uh, um, and we all have on the same dress. So it's not like I can hide it. It's not like I can. It just felt like the definition of a 14-year-old's yes. middle school angst, yes. anxiety. Please don't look at me. Yes. Like my biggest, my biggest fear on my wedding day was that everybody would be looking at me. Yeah, they do. And I was like, I've Mom, heard. I was like, Mom, if everybody's looking, you, my biggest fear through life is that anybody will be looking at me. Mm. And on my wedding day, it's actually going to be true. Yes, yes. How am I going to do this? At least my wedding dress was on the right way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's good. So why do those memories talk about shame? You define this beautifully in the book. I have a similar chorus dress story of the way it fit and how I just was like, I remember where I was standing at school when I realized that they could see things I wish they couldn't see mm-hmm. of my body. Mm-hmm. And it, but it looks like everybody else's. Right. I, I mean, I, I cognitively knew this dress fits everyone like this. I just didn't wear dresses like that. Yes. What is it about shame? That is not a sin. No. Neither of us sin. No. So what is it about shame that sticks those to us? It's that feeling of not belonging. Mm-hmm. It's that feeling of not being worthy, mm. being found wanting, and everybody seeing and everybody that you've knows. been found wanting. Interesting. That feeling of, you know, for me, and I, granted, I am a person who has a lot of a, a big issue with vulnerability. That's really hard for me. Mm-hmm. But... For me, part of the issue with vulnerability is, oh, no, I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be loved. Everybody saw me wanting it, and then everybody saw me not attain it. Whoa. Is there a world where you can say that again? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. It's that feeling where you've wanted to be loved. You've wanted yes. to be accepted. People have seen you wanting it. And then they, and saw then they you also not saw get you it. not get it. You are... Cracking open some things over here. I wonder if that's why breakups, even when they're mutual, feel embarrassing. Yes. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. So I when or I or even when you do it. Yes. Yeah. When I started dating my husband, I, I I had been dumped twice. The second person that dumped me, if we talk today, if he was sitting in that chair, he'd be like, "You dumped me," uh, and I'm like, "No, you dumped me," because uh-huh. I said, "Are you sure you want to do this?" And he said, "I don't know." And then I said, "Fine." Oh, boy. So neither of you actually – y'all are still dating. <laughs> Technically, I mean, we need we to are, tell Philip. We're still we're <laughs> According – if this was by law, yes, we're still in a y'all are still dating. Yeah. But I remember telling my husband, you know, people date, like, way more than three people in their life. But because I came from this super conservative yes. homeschooled subculture, yes. all my friends only dated one person yeah. and got married to that one person married. and had kids with that one person the year after they got married. And you dated the pastor's son. I did. Ooh, that <laughs> part of the story. I did. I did. How do you – is his mom still alive? How do you write that story in the book? I just pretend like she's never going to read it okay, great. and that she doesn't care who yeah, I am. You didn't, I can't find her. Yeah, There's that she no doesn't world. know that I'm on yeah. the internet. Yeah. I just pretend like she just great. has forgotten about me. I think me. that's really great. That's yeah. what I pretend. I just, she did not handle your vulnerability well no. in the book. No. And I thought, man, I wonder if there's been any relationship since then that would make it feel what it would make it feel like for you to write it. 
I, probably, she's not reading it. I thought about writing her so much. I had like I had opened up the email to write her so much. Talked about it with my therapist. Talked about it with my husband because I remember that first breakup was just was just so terrible for the reasons that you mentioned. Yes. But also like it's been ten years. I'm married to somebody else. I have three with children. Children with him. Yeah. <laughs> And so I was talking to my therapist, and I was like, why do I still hurt from that? And she yeah. was like, oh, I think you think that you're hurting because he dumped you, but you're not over his mom. And I was wow. like, oh, wow. no, that's true. I'm not over his mom. Yeah. So do you know what's wild? Is it uh, This happened to me, and I've, when I was reading your book, I had this pit in my stomach, and I was like, is this the Holy Spirit? Because I have one story in my life where a leader, a church leader, was in my memory of it. We had a very bad conversation that mm-hmm. I ended up me not staying at that church. Mm-hmm. Um, this was over a decade. So for math-wise, it was over a decade ago. Right, right. And as I was reading your book, the part about the woman emailing you when you were not sleeping very much and mm-hmm. you, we were late on deadlines and she was not thoughtful yeah. with her response, I had this thought, and I want you to coach me on this, because I had this thought when I was reading this book and I thought, I wonder how he tells the story. Yes. Just like you did for this woman where you said, I wonder what was going on with her mm-hmm. and how we got there. And it's made me think, not alone, because I won't meet with him alone again. That's part of what went right. really badly. Right. But I wonder if him and a mediator and I could sit down and and I could, I wonder if it would serve us both if I said, tell me what your side of that was. Yeah. Am I supposed to do that? Not supposed to, but is that is that what you would encourage people to do who have shame attached to a situation that might not need to be shameful? You know, I would say it depends on if that's a safe person to sit down and do that with. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times we confuse shame with the Holy Spirit. And so we're like, oh, the Holy Spirit is telling me that I need to revisit this situation. Right. Say that. We confuse shame right. with the Holy Spirit. But right. actually it's just shame. And that's why I never wrote this woman. Yeah. Because I talked to my therapist and she was like, but you were 22 years old. Yes. And she was a grown woman who was yes. twice her age. Yes. And I still have the email. So Ooh. I took it to therapy and I was like, I don't know if I'm reading this the right way. And she read it and she was like, do not contact this woman. Yeah, interesting. Do you want to get hurt again? Like yeah. we learn things yeah. and then we we make decisions that are best for us and yes. we move forward. And we Now, if that person ever reached out to me and was like, yeah. I would love to talk and I had seen some kind of repentance and change, that'd yeah. be different. But yeah. me going back after the shame again... Um, You're teaching us a a thing you write in the book, too, of to fight shame and really to live well, we need community. Mm -hmm. So even as you're talking, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can slow down. I don't need to email him today. Yes. I could wait until my next counseling appointment in three weeks, and I could take the conversation to her and say, dear community, is this shame or is this the Holy Spirit? That's what I did with with her, with my husband. But, you know, with the story I was telling with my husband, I was so afraid of rejection again when I started dating him. And I remember when we started dating, I was like, hey, I've already been dumped twice. I, it was like 2012, one boy, 2013, next boy, 2014, boy, oh, wow. boy I married. Yes. And I was like, hey, I have been dumped twice. So if you want to dump me, give me a signal so that I can dump you because I'm not going to get dumped again. I'm not doing it. And he was like, what is the signal? I said, I don't know. Is this in a car or at a table? On the, on the phone. On the phone. <laughs> and it was literally in our define the relationship. He was like, no. I want He was like, I want to date you. And I was like, if you want to date me, if you want to dump You're me, welcome. I get to dump you. So wow. I like, I'm dumb. And he was like, okay, cool. 
And he's like, I don't think that you're going to want to dump me. I think we're getting married. And I was like, I don't know about all of that. Uh-huh. But so several times in our relationship, which only lasted two months before we got engaged. Hey. Um, and then only four months before we got married. From your mouth to God's ears. Oh give me that blessing. Was, I will take it. It was a whirlwind. That's a husband at Christmas. I'm interested. But I kept being like, he would be like, Jasmine, I really want to talk to you about it. And I'd be like, I, it's over. And I've been thinking the same thing, too. So, And he'd be like, I wasn't. I was wondering if you wanted fries. <laughs> Was just, wow, but it was Jasmine. it was the shame of like yes. I have been rejected. I don't want to get rejected again, and I don't want you to see how much I care about you. So every time it would be any kind of conflict or anything, I'd be like, "Well, I just don't think we should do this anymore." And he'd be like, "I think we should." Yeah. Um. Poor guy. I look back and I'm like, he was, <laughs> he was so steady, and I was so filled with shame through yes. through our entire relationship. Yes. My best friends in Atlanta, there's three of them. And one of the things we talk about pretty frequently is one of the gifts we get to do for each other is mop up messes we didn't make. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I would imagine he does not feel poor guy. I mean, what what we get to do for each other is mop up messes we don't make. That's true. And so I don't think, yeah, I, I just think that is so helpful. The whole, I mean, truly the whole shame book just had me like, Whoa, whoa, am I supposed to call this guy? Whoa, whoa, that high school memory, I need to tell my counselor that too. It's terrible. I had my appointment yesterday, so I don't see her again for three Uh, weeks. So much stuff comes up. I was meeting with my therapist a lot during the whole writing of this. I was like, I feel feel so many feelings. And I was pregnant and nursing, which is its own shame spiral the entire time I was writing it. So I was just like, help. Yeah, help me. (laughs) You do a beautiful job in the, about the middle of the book, talking about the word should Mm -hmm. and how it is a shame word. Mm -hmm. It's one of the things we say around here a lot is we don't should each other. Yes. But will you talk a little bit about what does it look like to remove should from your vocabulary? So my husband and I are on our way here and I was, I was homeschooled. Didn't go off to college. Did college at home. Mm-hmm. Lived at home till I got married. Yeah. There were so many things that I don't know how to do. The last time that I drove a car that I rented was uh, in 2000 and uh, what? 2012, 2013. Oh, wow. My husband drives some rental cars. I don't travel, but I don't like to travel. Yeah. I don't like to. I'm just very like introverted and very. And I should be more independent. Mm. I should be willing to travel by myself. I should have had more life experiences before I got married. Mm-hmm. I should have all of those things are always going through my head when I'm doing normal day-to-day things. I should be further along than I am. Wow. I should be more able to speak up for myself. I should be. And so part of removing should is just saying I am. Mm. I am who I am. Yes. I have had the experiences that I have had. This is where I have ended up in life. Can I move forward in mature and beautiful ways? Absolutely. Um, Can I make more strides and gain maturity and gain independence? Absolutely. But looking back into the past and saying where I should be is not helpful. Yeah, it does not serve us. It It is not a word. Tell me if this registers true to you, too. I find that I notice more that I'm shooting myself when I hear myself shoot other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I go, man, you are really drawing lines for everyone else. What yes. are you actually doing for you? Yes. And it usually means that my insecurities are ramped to level 100. That's one of the things that I, but that I really noticed when writing this book was that the way that we disciple ourselves is so often how we disciple others. Oh, say um, it. The way that we love ourselves is so often how we love others. I mean, Jesus said it. Love others yes. as you love yourself. Yes. yes. And so if we're like cracking the whip of shame in our own lives and that's how we're treating other people and that's 
that's a terrible way to be in a relationship with other yeah. people. We can yeah. do better. Yeah. We had a great conversation with Jonathan Pecluda last month about confession. And you say in the book that when it, when it is sin, when there is a sin that you feel shame over, that repentance really and, and confession really is the anecdote for mm-hmm. that sin mm-hmm. or for that shame. Right. So what's the anecdote when the shame? And so I, I think our friends listening realize I feel shame because I stole something. I need to make it right. I right. feel shame because I gossiped. I need to make it right I, with the Lord and the people, whatever. Mm-hmm. When the shame is the dress was on backwards. When the shame is I should be more independent. Mm-hmm. When the shame is every other mom fill in the blank. Yes. <laughs> what's the gospel anecdote for that? It's always Jesus. That's the thing. It's always that Sunday school answer of running to Jesus. I love it. Um, I remember when I was 14, 15 years old, I had a conversation. I could not sleep. I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, Dad, I don't think that I am saved. And my dad, in his very wry way, was just like, oh, well, why? Why not? And I was like, well, I want to do good, but I don't. And I want (laughs) to be good, but I'm not. And Dad was like, would you say that the good that you want to do is right in front of you, but then evil lies close at hand? And I was like, oh, my gosh, yes. So you know I'm not saved. That is exactly what I would say. And he starts, so he's like opening up Romans 7 and being like, that's so interesting. Paul says the same thing. And so I said, well, what do I do when I feel like I'm not saved? And he goes, "Um, repent and believe. Mm. And I was like, but how how will I know? Like, how do I become saved? And he goes, repent and believe. And he was like, that's, that's, this is the Christian walk is this constant repentance and belief or this constant throwing ourselves on God's mercy Mm -hmm. and asking for his help. It's how we get into the faith, quote unquote, um, you know, using interesting wording for that. But it's how we get into the faith. But it's also the process of living in the faith and the process of being in the faith, it looks really similar. Yeah. Is there hope to have no shame? Mm, Maybe for some people. I don't know. One of my favorite shows in the world is Criminal Minds. I love it so (laughs) much. Um, If I hadn't... Is that CBS? I I think so. Is it still on? I think it came back on. Uh I think that they like started it up again. But um, Spencer Reed has my heart (laughs) and he talks to a lot of people who don't have shame and normally they're the people who are taking people's heads off or dismembering them they're Mm. the criminals um and so shame is kind of this thing that keeps our society in check um keeps us in check keeps people from acting on base impulses that they have it's kind of part of common grace, in my opinion it's something that we all have even if we don't have the holy spirit we have shame to guide, right. to guide our base impulses. Yes. Um, we also have love. We have other things. But shame is one of, is one of those things. Yeah. And so I think that the hope of living in a society without shame is the hope of living in a society where everybody's glorified and walking mm-hmm. with Jesus in, in perfection, mm-hmm. which we know comes after Jesus comes back. Yes. So I'm not sure that not having shame at all is a realistic goal or something that I or a place that I really want to live yeah so it makes me wonder if the actual work of it you talk a little about this in the book the actual work of it is allowing shame to exist but not lead Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I do want to when I walk into a restaurant I do want to feel it would be embarrassing if you ate food off their plate yeah that stranger yes that would be shameful yes and weird 
So I do want it to keep me inside the cultural door. Yes, and it does. It does. And yeah. also, you know, one thing that I talked about over and over again in this book was writing about shame from the Western perspective. There's it's a awesome. there's an entirely different way to talk about and relate to shame on the other side of the world. Really? That yeah. I was like, I don't want to make these bold proclamations about shame and doing away with shame and like ending shame forever here on earth uh-huh. in a in a way that's like just really self-centered and yeah. American yeah. of me. Yeah. Yeah. It is hard cuz you I don't know how to write a book that isn't American. Mm-hmm. And that isn't a single white female in Nashville, Tennessee. Right. And yet we want our books to be globally impactful for the gospel because Jesus was globally impactful. Right. right. And so I, I I appreciate that tension you hold. It matters to me. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to share about another amazing partner, Pros. It's one of my favorite things to get to share products and resources and friends with y'all that make an actual difference in my actual life, like Jasmine. And Pros. Pros is one of those as well. It's the world's most personalized hair care. Switching to a custom routine from Pros was one of the best things I've done for my hair. And the results I'm seeing just keep getting better. My hair is shinier, thicker, and more manageable than it's ever been. And I credit my Pros shampoo and conditioner. They took my answers to the their in-depth hair quiz. We love a quiz and created a unique formula for my answers just for me. That's how I got started. And that's how you can too. Join the over 1 million people who've gotten consultations on everything from the climate where you live, the issues you have with your hair, your hair type and texture, your eating habits. They analyze 85 personal factors and then handpick clean ingredients that get you closer to your hair goals with every wash. Their review and refine tool is awesome. It lets me tweak my formulas for any reason in case I change my address or my hair color or even my diet. Pros wants us to have that formula dialed in, and I appreciate that a ton. As a carbon neutral certified B Corp, Pros is an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty. All their ingredients are sustainably sourced, ethically gathered, and cruelty-free. They're also the first custom beauty brand to go carbon neutral. If you're not 100% positive Pros is the best hair care you've had, they will take the products back, no questions asked. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. So go to pros.com slash that sounds fun. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash that sounds fun for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. And I got one more incredible partner to tell you about. Hiya Health. I know that all of you who are parents or have kids in your lives care about them staying healthy. But here's the thing. Typical children's vitamins are essentially candy in disguise. This is heartbreaking to hear. Made up of two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gooey junk growing kids don't really need. That's why Hiya was created. These are pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamins. While most children's vitamins are full of sugar, like five grams of sugar, and can contribute to a variety of health issues. Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, but it tastes great and is perfect for picky eaters. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full body nourishment our kids need, all with a yummy taste they love. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, folate, and many others to help support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and more. It's non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, 
and everything else you can imagine. Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door so parents have one less thing they got to worry about at the grocery store or any other store. Your first order comes in this really cute glass bottle that comes with stickers that your kids can use to decorate. And then your refills are delivered each month in plastic-free pouches. Out with that single-use plastic and none of that having to remember to reorder. Haya will ship your refills to you so your kids never run out. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You get to receive 50% five zero off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash that sounds fun. This deal is not available on their regular website, so you have to go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash that sounds fun and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. That link, along with links to all the things they hear for you tickets, yes, including to the show we just announced on June 15th in Franklin, Tennessee, the sign up for the AFD Week in Review and all kinds of other fun things can be found in the show notes. Be sure to check those out. And now back to finish up our conversation with Jasmine. You have a hope chest? I do. I, I still have it. Still have my hope chest. <laughs> Please explain to people not from where we're from. It could be global, but there may be people all over the world who have them, but I know you and I have hope chests. Uh, I, I don't know that everybody all over the world has them in the same way that, that we have them. <laughs> um, mine has Proverbs 31 engraved. <laughs> on the top or on the, when you open it? On the front of it. On like, the front front boom is there a the, world where you would post a picture front. for us to see it oh, someday i totally would okay. it's in my, i'm like it's in my bedroom it's right across from my bed next to my window oh, I um see it. my husband thinks it's hilarious oh he's yeah just, sometimes he just walks by and he's like this is this is weird i'm yes. like it's weird yeah still smells amazing oh, open it smells amazing it smells so good so good um, cedar so my hope chest was a gift i think it was on my 18th birthday yep. and it has all of my hopes for the future the idea <laughs> is that you would put things into it yes and then you get married and you use those things. So yes. like baby clothes, dolls, um, sheets, sheets yes. yes, books. My, some of my friends had like Tupperware in their home. Oh, hope I didn't have a Tupperware. I don't I oh don't my have gosh. Tupperware, Tupperware China, like anything that, that is dear to you. Yes. Um, and now mine is just full of like crazy things like that I've collected over the years. Oh, it's just, oh, cool. Yeah, it's got some of my stories. I've been writing stories since I was like nine. So yeah. it has my crazy stories in there. It has all of my, when I was dating my husband, I I had never been in love before. Yeah. And so it was, it was intense. Yeah. This poor man was drinking out of the fire hydrant of just <laughs> me being like, I am like, so like so much poetry was written. Oh, I love it. <laughs> you don't love it. It's like so long. It's front so and back. Sweet. And it's so just like, I love you. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's in there. Yeah. My baby name books are in there. Yeah. yeah. I know. think uh, a hope chest is a really interesting thing to write about in a book of, about shame. Yes. Because your hope chest exist you're about to be 30 you're married mm-hmm. my hope chest has existed as long and i'm 42 and not married and so i, I had a reckoning with everything in my hope chest mm. five or six years ago of like what if i started using this stuff yeah have you yeah oh, totally good i was like what if i and i love it mine's beautiful it's so it's full of like toys from my grandparents house and things oh. that are really meaningful yeah. in my life as a person to say do not use this until you get the thing you want. I may be accidentally saying to myself, you should be ashamed you aren't using this stuff yet. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I was like, no, let's break out those napkins with AFD on them. We yeah. can do it. And it's such a weird, it's such a weird thing to associate shame with when you look at like the history of the world. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, like when you look at it in context. Yeah. But I remember feeling ashamed. I got married when I was 24. Yeah. And I remember feeling ashamed that my friends were getting married before I got married. Wow. And I look back and I'm like, 24? 24. Girl. Girl, I would have a teenager. <laughs> when I tell you, I would have a teenager. Like I was a baby who did not know what she was doing. And God was just, <laughs> I was literally a sheep. And yeah. God was like, not him. Please yeah. don't. He's like, here's a ram. Go like, with that one. Here, yeah. just, and y'all, y'all just trip along the way. Was he about the same age? Figure it out. He's 20, he was 27. Okay. Yeah. So it's yeah. been nine years in October. Yeah. Um, and we have, awesome. yeah, three kids, five pregnancies, three different states. Wow. Yeah. When you think about, shame going forward when you think about raising your boys Mm -hmm. talk about shame and parenting for just a minute so many of our friends listening are raising kids and they have had the choir dress story like you and I have but they don't want that for their kids you don't want that for your boys you don't want them to be ashamed or have a moment that's embarrassing because they feel left out can we protect them should we how do we deal with shame and parenting I mean my six-year-old is a lot like me Uh he experiences shame a lot. Yeah. And so we've just learned how to call it what it is and be like, hey. Is that your middle one? That's my oldest. Oldest. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just say, hey, I, I noticed when I told you no, you kind of got this look on your face mm. and you kind of withdrew. Yes. I know that that feels kind of icky, kind of gross, right? Yeah. yeah. It's okay. Sometimes we just need boundaries and boundaries are not. They, you don't have to be ashamed about that. We're all yes. learning. We're all, we're all growing. And then sometimes we have a conversation where the other day he was asking me something about Sonic the Hedgehog. And I was like, I don't know. And he goes, you don't know that? And I said, that's super shaming. Yeah. And he goes, I'm putting shame on you? I said, you are. Oh, wow. You're making me feel like I – and I said, I don't feel ashamed right now because you're six. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> Let me tell you how much power you have. But Little but some. with your friends – that could be really shaming language and it can make somebody feel bad because wow. they don't know something that you know. And yeah. it's not really fair to expect people to know and be interested in what you're interested in. Yeah. And he was like, okay, thank you so much for teaching me how to not put shame on people. My I six-year-old is him. like such a um, – I'm always, I'm always like, soul. babe, you're in a commercial. Like you are just <laughs> – I'm like, it's really sweet but also side-eye. <laughs> <laughs> You're putting it on right now. Right, right. Um, but it's working. It's working. Yeah. It's right. Like this morning he goes, you look so beautiful. And I said, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. I needed to hear that. And he goes, why did you need to hear that? <laughs> You're like, watch a shame and, and tone, my like, guy. you know what, buddy? Like, maybe I did. But we're right. always – so we talked to him about shaming tone for others. Wow. And also just shame that he's feeling himself. And just, yeah. hey, you're going to feel that sometimes. And when you feel it, you can always ask for a hug. My husband's yeah. really good about being like, hey, come over here. Like, let's just have a hug. Yeah. And let's kind of just sit together yeah. until you don't feel kind of weird, really funny yeah. inside anymore. And yeah. then you can go play when you feel like not funny inside yes, anymore. Yes, totally. Yeah. And I wish at 15 I'd have had the – my parents were so available to that. I wish I'd have thought – I should tell them that I have this embarrassing mm-hmm. thing, I feel, and I just didn't. Yeah. And when you're 15, you think, I'm a, I'm a person. I'm a grown-up. Yeah, and it's I'm hard to, to even, this. yeah, you're like, I don't know. It feels it feels shaming to even have the feeling. I don't, yeah, that's right. The thing about shame is, is that it, it isolates, and yeah. then it breeds in isolation. Yeah, shame is really good at protecting itself. Shame is really good at protecting itself. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Thank Jesus for Jesus. So. Yes. I mean, I, I love how, how deep you go into our covering mm-hmm. and and how we're protected and also released. And it is, I mean, the subtitle, How the Gospel Puts an End to the Story of Shame. I was like, this is a gospel book yeah. that has shame as the example. Mm-hmm. But it is, I mean, it's just beautiful. Okay, your next book is already coming. 
It is. It's. I mean, it's it available. Is. It's called Crowned with Glory. Will you mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about it? Yeah, I was actually talking about it at the airport. Somebody was <gasps> like, you? I was reading a car, and they were like, um, "What do you do?" And I told them, and they said, "Well, what do you write?" And I was like, oh, "This is so cool." Yeah, it is about Black Christian resistance okay. to chattel slavery. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's a history book. It is a history book that will mix in experiences you've had as well or Mm -hmm. just stories just stories yeah just stories of activists who fought against chattel slavery who used used the idea of the image of god to fight back against chattel slavery for me growing up so much of what i learned about history was you know nobody really knew that slavery was wrong and everybody Mm -hmm. was kind of making the same mistake and it's okay and then growing up, learning that there were these conscientious voices, these theologically robust voices. From, Not just Frederick Douglass. Yeah. Which is kind of what we're like, look at him. We so yeah. are taught, like, just look at him or look at, you know, Sojourner Truth, Harry Tubman, Frederick yeah. Douglass. Those are our, like, three yeah. people. Yeah. Um, and there were so many other people. And, and that idea doesn't diminish the importance of Frederick Douglass, but it does put Certainly. him into context so that we know that he wasn't just this magical unicorn I mean, he was a magical unicorn in a lot of ways. Yes. Also, it's very attractive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Listen, he would people would be interested. I yeah. be having these historical crushes Thank for you. sure. Thank um, you. William Wallace Brown is another one. I was just learning about him the other day, and I was like, hey, <laughs> he had this um, in England. William Wallace Brown had this scandal because he had like left his wife and young child. Yes. And I'm like reading this. I'm reading it like it's like modern tea. I'm like, yes. oh my god. <laughs> William, like, tell me, I am going what? to retell this in my book. This I was is not gossip. very interested in you, and then you started to turn around and do. So, anyway, this is just all the stories that just kind of inspired me. And yeah, yeah. On your Instagram, you talk about WPA narratives. Mm-hmm. Will you tell me what WPA stands for? I'm sorry. Uh, Works Progress Administration. Okay. Yeah. And is that a government thing? Yes. Um, Got it. So, in the 1930s, during the pushback against the Great Depression, the New Deal, the WPA was set up to give white-collar jobs. So the same way that, like, blue-collar jobs were given in the New New Deal, white-collar jobs, like writers, were able to go and interview the formerly enslaved. And, yeah, that's for my next book. Uh, Um, After Crowned with Glory? I signed a two-book deal, which I will never do again. But that that um, financial help is different yes. when there's two books. Yes, it is. So, it is. And the the beautiful thing about it for our friends who want to be published authors with a traditional publisher, when you do a two-book deal, they're invested in your life for four years. They are. So you get four years of their investment mm-hmm. in you, and they care what happens in between books. And they really shepherd you through writing both of them. They so do. That's probably. They do. So don't say never, never. Well, I don't know. I just never, <laughs> never for me, but maybe, maybe for you. My, I have the Jasmine, best. Jasmine, I'm going to follow up on this. <laughs> I have the best editor too at Baker. Yeah. Um, Pat Nasha is the best. Yeah. I'm also I a Baker. I love her. I love them. Oh, she's oh, I could, wonderful. I, I, we shouldn't say how great it is so that everyone doesn't go there. I know. They'll all like so, flood it and be like, yes, hey, yes, please don't email Baker. It's yes. too good. And they are very busy. They are so busy. They, they're they busy, they're with busy with me right now. <laughs> they're busy with Jasmine <laughs> and Annie. And therefore. They're pushing my, Padesha, I sent her a message last week. I was like, I know that I sent you a book idea for my second book. I don't like it anymore. Yeah. And I can't write it. But I already spent the money, so I'm going to rob a bank. <laughs> what are we going to do? Like, instead of just sending, like, a very practical email yeah. of, like, hey, I think that I'm going to go in a different direction. I was yeah. like, I'm robbing a bank. I've ruined everything. I've ruined yes. everything. Yeah, I'm selling great. my home. Great. Well done, you. <laughs> okay, so Crown with Glory comes in September. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait. Thank you for writing historical books about faith, too. I don't know how many get written. I don't read enough. But I'll read you. So oh, you I'm so really much. grateful for you writing that. Okay, the last question we always ask. I can't wait. Jasmine, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. 
I don't know how to answer this question. It's hard to think of fun because... I, for me, it's like I should I should be doing something else. Mm. And will it be fun or will I be full of ennui the entire time that I'm oh, doing wow. it? So what wow. sounds fun to me? You know what? I had the best day. Today I had already? the best day last week. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was reading this book of slave narratives. Yeah. And I found this letter from an enslaved man to his enslaver. And I was reading it and I didn't know what the letter was. I was just kind of reading it. And he's like, dear so-and-so. Uh, just to let you know, I'm in Canada right now. <laughs> and he's like, maybe next time you'll think twice before selling a wife and children away from her husband. Wow. So I'm in Canada and I'm loving it and it's wow. great. And if you want to prove that you're a Christian, um, here's the address that you can send my wife and children after you buy them back. But I don't have anything else to say to you. Bye. And I was filming myself while I was reading it because I was trying to do some Instagram content. You yeah. know how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's that awkward thing of like, I'm going to set up a camera, but then I'm going to try to forget the camera's there. That's and right. I'm going to wake up from bed and move my Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like reading it on the couch and you can see the smirk that comes uh-huh. onto my face when I realize like what the letter yeah. actually is. Yeah. And that was, a, that was honestly like yeah. one of the best days of my life. Did you get to keep doing research to see if he ever followed through? I did, but I couldn't find anything. So, you know, I'm also like a huge storyteller. So I'm kind of like, it was five years before the end of the Civil War. So maybe. Will you please write that novel? I know. I was like, maybe after the Civil War, they found each other. And then that made me really happy to think about. Yeah, but that doesn't sound fun to anybody else but me. No, I think discovering something in a book is a great answer. Okay. So I, and also we don't judge our fun around here. Okay. There's no shame around fun. The person sitting there before you said, this is cheesy button. I'm like, no, no, no. We do not judge our fun. If it okay. is fun to you, it is fun. That's fun to me. So that is, man, yeah. that's cool. I, I can't wait for you to write the novel of that. Yeah. Take that person's story and make it tell us all the meat around the bones that we don't know. Yes. I'm, I'm, it made me very excited. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Jasmine, thank you for making time to do this. Oh, thank you for You are me. welcome here anytime. Thank truly. you so much. I just, I respect you so much as a writer and as a friend and um, I, a favorite Instagram follow. So thanks for doing this. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, you guys, isn't she the best? I feel like we're like separated at birth. We'd love so many of the same things. Oh, I just adore her. I'm so glad we got to hang out with her. Y'all grab a copy of Never Cast Out. Follow Jasmine on social media. See you until her. Thanks so much for being on the show. Okay, so we heard what sounds fun to Jasmine. I liked it. And now we get to hear what sounds fun to one of our friends who's listening just like you. All right, Kara, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. Hi, my name is Carrot and I'm from South Dakota. And what sounds fun to me is in about a month, my husband and I are going to Texas to visit one of my best friends and her family and also my husband's family. So it's a good two for one trip. Yeah, and a good temperature change. Yes, for sure. We still have snow on the ground. So Girl, I'm looking forward to some spring snow leaves. Snow on the ground, I cannot imagine. Like, what is your yeah. temperature today? Because I'm going to tell you my temperature after you tell me your temperature. I think it's supposed to be like low 40s today, but we still have, this is our 108th day of snow on the ground. Oh, Kara, the Lord bless you and keep you. That is so much snow. (laughs) I've never known 108 days. I've never known more than five days of snow. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, it's 58 degrees here. I'm sorry to tell you, but I hope we'll stay friends. Um, And you're a teacher. I am, yes. We see you in the classroom. Thank you for doing that. What an important job. That's very fun. Yeah. And listen, y'all get to stay inside. Everybody's inside. Do y'all do outdoor recess? Oh, yeah. We go out till it's zero. Oh, yeah, my gosh. Yeah, it's wild here. I'm from California, <laughs> and we would go inside at 50 degrees. Yeah, the parents would complain. Here, it's, if it's zero, we're outside. Oh, that is impressive. Well done. Y'all are much stronger than me. 
so good. Okay, if you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. Today, what sounds fun to me is Lady A and Dave Barnes at the Ryman Auditorium. What a great weekend. Oh, I cannot wait. So my weekend's going to be awesome. I hope yours is too. But first, we got a fun show for you tomorrow. Oh, yeah, a special drop-in Friday show with our friends Hudson and Emily, the travel couple. Y'all are going to absolutely love hearing their story. It is wild, okay? It's a great Friday show. So we'll see you tomorrow.